Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, mate. Uh, I can understand the fans are furious around the gesture that I made, mate. It's just the heat of the moment kind of thing. You know, it's, it's footy, but I understand, you know, we kids are watching us, but, you know, we... We're in the heat of the moment, you know. Usually that's out of character for me, so I put my hand up first and I apologise for that. Yeah, Super Rugby's uh, Super Round in Melbourne yielded some fantastic results overall and plenty of entertaining rugby in one location. Great concept. It only took the Chiefs nine seconds to open the scoring and they just carried on business as usual on their way to a 52-29 demolition of Moana Pacifica. Uh, the Blues stumbled against the Brumbies. The Crusaders got back to their winning ways. The Highlanders didn't. And something happened in the Hurricanes game. You might have heard it by now. We've just heard it from Artie himself. Artie himself. So uh, one man who loves all things Wellington rugby is Jamie Wall. So we'd get him on to, to talk about uh, what he saw about this and what do you think will, will happen. Uh, good morning to you, Jamie. The Artie Savia gesture has become one of the talking points. Uh, will it be laid to rest uh, with the judiciary, and uh, what way do you think they might go? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Uh, good question. I think, given the unique circumstances around the fact that he had the ability to basically get on the mic after the game and say what he said at the end, which I think was a pretty contrite uh, apology. Um, I've, I've, I've definitely heard... <laughs> Uh, worse ones than that. Um, he did manage to kind of cover off all of his bases with what he said, though, by saying that, uh, firstly, I'm sorry, and secondly, it's footy and it's the heat of the moment, so therefore kind of making an excuse for it. But then saying, oh, but then the kids are watching us, so we shouldn't be doing it. It's like, okay, you've, you, you've kind of covered a lot of areas um, with what you're saying there. And I think that because he did that, they're not going to throw the book at him uh, so hard. Um and and also, I think what will happen is because it was a separate uh, incident to um, the, uh, the the the, car, the the reason he was yellow carded in the first place, it may just get upgraded to a standalone red, and then maybe like one week or or, or they might even just leave it at that because of course he has he had actually um, got ahead of it by by doing that post match interview. Like, like I said, it's a very unique situation. Um, and and we haven't really seen anything like this uh, happen uh, before, at least in a professional game. Um, you know, I have to say that stuff like this is relatively commonplace in club rugby grounds uh, around the country. Does that make it an uh, acceptable thing? No, but, you know, for someone who is still playing, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I don't really see what the fuss is all about, really. Like, you don't win games by being nice to the opposition. Uh, and especially a guy like uh, Ryan Lawrence, um, who was clearly winding um, Artie up. And I'm not—I don't want to make excuses for this, but I think I think that it could have been handled a little bit better by the referee there. Um, when you have scuffles like that, one of the first things they should do is to clear the area in which they're talking to a player that gets carded. Um, and he simply let that, that Rebels halfback get up in Artie's face and escalate the situation um, to what it did. So I think there's there's definitely a lesson there for the officials uh, to take out of that as well. 
Well, they got a, a red card as well in the mix, the Hurricanes, and a fairly mixed performance, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Tafita uh, Mafalio uh, picks up a red card for foul play. Uh, they led 24-7 at half-time and just got away with it in the end, 39-33. Yeah, they did. I, I think you have to give the Rebels a uh, bit of credit. They would have been going in as fair underdogs to that game, and they, they played pretty well, I think, um, for a team with their roster and their stature. You know, obviously it's it's their big day or big weekend, you know, being able to host um, the Super Round, uh, as it were, and, and rise to the occasion. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it probably says uh, a bit more about how, like the potential of this Hurricanes team that they managed to overcome, not only yeah the red um, to Mafalio, but also losing their captain and best player, uh, pretty much in, in one go, and still be able to win. That's the mark of like a team that actually has some has some fighting qualities uh, within it. Uh, and, you know, you saw a similar situation happen to the Blues on Sunday where they probably didn't end up in a situation where they wanted to be, and they lost the plot a bit in that second half and didn't really know where to go. So I'm not, I'm not coming out and saying that, you know, the Hurricanes are going to win the, win the comp or anything like that, not yet anyway, um, but there's definitely a lot of potential uh, in this side, and it's a good young group that they've got. So, yeah, fairly hopeful that they can pull off some, some bigger wins in weeks to come. Well, the commentators will stay on that Blues performance, actually. The commentators have pointed to the Brumbies as saviours of Australian rugby because it's not that often that uh, one of their franchises beats one of ours, especially a, a side uh, that has uh, won 16 out of 17. Um, and uh, they head, of course, to Melbourne. They didn't even have to go to Canberra. It was all in Melbourne uh, and get done there. So for Leon McDonald, uh, just a reality check? Yeah, big reality check. Uh, big one, because... That's not a bad Brumby side. I think it's a pretty serious hyperbole to be saying that they're the saviors of Australian rugby. Like that is a a good team that should be getting regular results against New Zealand sides. You know, I'm not saying they should be beating the Blues and the Crusaders every week, but if they're playing on Australian soil, they they should be going in with a fair amount of confidence. And they took advantage of what was a stinking hot day in Melbourne. I think it was 33 degrees over there and perhaps the Blues had just been sitting in Melbourne waiting for their time to come and just getting a bit too hot because they they just came out and just did not look good at all and the Brumbies just ripped into them. They got that penalty try. Um, when uh, An interesting uh, factor when, it, when you get a penalty try early in a game um, for a driving uh, line-out drive, which is what a lot of them seem to be these days, is it completely changes the complexion of the way the, the defending team will go about how they stack up against a, a line-out drive for the rest of the game. And that's why we saw another one happen. I think it was just before half-time when Lachlan Monaghan managed to get over, the, get over the line. The Blues just had nothing when they, when they went to defend that one. So I think that immediately put them on the back foot as well. Also, being reduced to 13 players didn't help as well. But that second half, you would have thought they would have come out in that second half and just made something happen. They've been, you know... Uh, restored back to 15 players. They, you know, Bowden Barrett was sort of getting his hands on the ball enough. You know, RTS was having a reasonably decent involved game as well. But then to not even score any points in that in that second half is baffling, really. No, none of none of that game, none of that second half at least made sense. Um, and I mean, you have to say that the the Brumbies really deserve that result. Right. Let's look at um, the Chiefs uh, who continue to march on. 
impressive winners round one and accounted for Moana Pacifica uh, pretty much uh, as they wanted, 52 to 29. Um, and they're strong at nine. This Cortez Ratama is uh, starting to uh, make some waves. Yeah, he certainly is. And that will come as no surprise to anyone that's kept an eye on the Chiefs and Waikato in the, in the last few years. Like, this kid has had a lot of raps on him, and um, I, I think we'll be seeing him at higher higher level in so, at some stage in the future. Probably not not this season, and maybe not next season either, but, you know, he, is, he definitely is a really... Uh, strong bit of evidence that the, the pathway system for the next uh, halfback is, is going pretty well um, there. I, I will have to say that that game, that was another game of two halves. I hate to bring up that cliche, but that's exactly what it, what it felt like. The, the Chiefs obviously got off to an incredible start, um, scoring within the first 10 seconds. And then, uh, you know, we're up, I think it was what, 31 to 3 at half time, and, and Moana had basically not even touched the ball and it was like thinking you're sitting there thinking like oh man is this going to be an absolute drubbing you know they get they're going to put 70 or 80 on them um right now and it's going to be we're going to be worrying about the future of the whole minor pacific concept after this um but to their credit they came out and absolutely fired in the second half i thought um they were really impressive uh and they managed to create a really chaotic um game situation that the chiefs just kind of didn't really have an answer to, and it's just because they'd managed to build up such a buffer in that first half uh, that they they sort of just buttoned off and let Moana come in and score a whole bunch of points. But at the same time, it really showed that Moana, if they if the circumstances fit them right, like it did a couple of times last year they do have the firepower to, to take down a decent team because if they could do what they did in the second half in the first and then tighten up their game plan in the second and hold on to a lead, you know, they can, they can knock off teams. Um, but, and also I think it showed that the Chiefs have some very exploitable weaknesses in there. Like we're all getting on the, the sort of the buzz that the, the Chiefs are going to be the team to beat uh, in this competition so far. And they've, they've played some fantastic footy. And, you know, they're, they're making some players in their team look really, really good. Um, and I'm talking about the likes of um, Sean Stevenson here. Uh, and mm. you 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 would have to think that they'd, you know, one more one next week and you'd, you'd be putting them as sort of up uh, as favourites if they can sort of gain gain some sort of early ascendancy to getting a, a home final advantage there. Uh, but at the same time, there was enough in that second half that Moana did to show other teams, like, hang on, they, they're a little bit scratchy here and there. So, you know, a lot of interest. It was an interesting game, much more interesting than the score, I might have suggested. Right, OK. Um, just looking at uh, Mackenzie v Moanga v Barrett. Uh, you know, are we convinced that um, of uh, who's showing the best early season form yet? Yeah, yeah, good, good question. I think, um, obviously, Richie... Uh, played a really good game on Friday. Again, though, it it was against a, a horrible Highlanders team. It has to be said um, that that's a team that's in deep trouble at the moment. And like only some sort of re reimagination of how talent gets distributed around the country is actually going to help them. Because if you look at their roster, and then you look at the sort of guys that aren't even making the bench for some of the other teams, you go like, "Or well, how is this even happening?" But anyway, back to the first fives situation. Um, yeah, Rich was really good on Friday. Uh, DMAC is playing some of the best footy of his career. 
And, I mean, Bowden obviously didn't get the result, but he still showed in that game. There were a few touches that it was like only Bowden Barrett could do stuff like that. There was one where uh, a kick got charged down and he had to recover it in his own in goal. Um, and then he nonchalantly stepped past a couple of guys and then put in a banana kick that went all the way up to halfway. And then it just reminds you that, like, this is why this guy was World Player of the Year twice. You know, the, you know the, the, the things he can do that no one else can do. So it's a really intriguing situation. We're not going to have a clear picture of, you know, who's the, who's the number one guy for a, probably a couple of months now. Um, but I think heading into a World Cup year, they, re- they really have to just put, put all their chips on one of these guys and go, you're our man whether it's Bowden or Richie, and then just say to the other one, well, like, you're either on the bench or you're out of the squad because we can't shoot one, both of you into the team because we need one guy in charge of the whole thing. Can't take a trick, Jack, could you? Um, left the field with a groin injury. Man, you've got to feel sorry for this kid because at his best, he's certainly uh, seriously uh, an all-black contender, very much a World Cup squad member, but you just wonder if he's cursed. Yeah, yeah, pretty sad. And also, like, pretty sad what happened to Anton Leonard-Brown as well um, last week. Mm. You know, these guys have just come back from sort of long injury layoffs, and, and to have them fall down straight away is... is it's it's upsetting because you would, you would have those guys probably inked into your World Cup squad uh, later in the year. Um, but every time they get hurt, it sort of just makes you think, well... Should we start looking at some someone else? You know, Rico didn't exactly cover himself in glory yesterday by not passing when he should have. Uh, but there are some other good midfield options uh, out there. Um, but I, I still think that you know, hopefully, these injuries that these two guys have got aren't so serious, um, and that hopefully, fingers crossed, that Geordie can just stay healthy um, for the rest of the season because um, there's going to be a lot riding on um, what he's going to be able to do at 12. Well, the Drua had a win last week, albeit um, a very narrow one against Moana Pacifica, but uh, they get to Melbourne and they front up against the, the Waratahs, who are far from Australia's best, and get uh, a bit of a kicking, 46-17 on the back of Moana Pacifica, of course, uh, as well getting a hiding. So are we? where are we at with uh, early on into the second year for, for these two franchises? Well, firstly, I'd like to, I, I reckon that that result kind of says more about the Waratahs than it does about the draw because the Waratahs are a really youthful team with some really um, promising players. And then you've got that Taney Med at, uh, at first five. Um, they've got Max Jorgensen out on the wing, who the Australian commentators are talking up like he's the next bloody Jonah Lomu. Um, and a, a lot of other guys in that side who who they're getting really excited about for the next for their next World Cup cycle. So it's it's quite good to see the Waratahs back and clicking into some sort of cohesive unit um, and one that perhaps could, could knock off a couple of New Zealand teams because Australian rugby does kind of need that. They talk about the Brumbies being the saviour of Australian rugby. Well, really it has to be the Waratahs because they're the big money team. They're in Sydney and um, they Australian rugby needs that, that high profile in a, in a city like that. Uh, with the draw, though, I mean... The, their issue, and we talked about this the other week on the panel, that they, the uh, the interchangeability of their squad, because so many guys are getting contracts year after year, and that every year the team seems to be quite new. Um, that's their biggest issue. I was quite impressed with what they did 
uh, in the tight. Um, it's one thing where Fijian teams have often been in more of a kind of a developmental stage, but their the work rate of their forwards um, in the first half, uh, especially close to the line, was was actually quite impressive. So they've definitely got the the firepower out back to score some good tries. Uh, it's just it, it was quite good to see that they did have stuff in at their set piece uh, and close to the line, but. Yeah, it's always going to be quite up and down with them. But in the drawers' favour, they, they've got a start of a run of home games coming up. And I think this is where we're really going to see uh, what they're made of because now um, you're going to have teams going up to Fiji. It's going to be 30-odd degrees, 100% humidity, and playing in front of really big, passionate crowds that are going to get behind their team. We saw last year what the, that effect can have when they almost knocked off the Chiefs um, in Latoka and, and probably the best game of the year. So I, I am hopeful that uh, in a few weeks' time we're going to be talking about um, the draw in much more positive ways. Always great to catch up with you, uh, Jamie, and uh, thank you very much for your review of the weekend in Super Rugby. And uh, I, I, I'm with you, I think, uh, with the Artie's thing. I think, it's, I, think he's going to, I think he's going to escape, but um, uh, I don't think he'll do it again in a hurry, and I don't think anyone else should either. Hey, mate, thanks very much for your time. Cheers, Matthew. Talk to you later.